Welcome back to The Review, starring Justin Parrish and Ryan Jordan. Welcome back. Getting straight into some NBA action this past week. And honestly, things I didn't expect was for OKC to put up the kind of fight they did against Houston. Uh, Westbrook looked terrible game six, had a better game seven, hard not scoring the ball at a clip that I really thought he would score at. Lou Dort coming out of absolutely nowhere in game seven. Um, what, what is your take on this? Uh, did you end up watching game seven? I watched that, part of it. That was a crazy game down the stretch. It, they were back and forth. Had a couple really, really rough-looking possessions like you'd expect out of mid-tier high school basketball, not the NBA. And OKC, I thought, had a chance to win it there at the end and kind of flubbed that last possession. Uh, Chris Paul drove down, I think, after they had an off-ball foul. So OKC hit a free throw to make it a one-point game. Chris Paul drove in, passed it to uh, – tried to pass it to, I think, Shea in the corner. And Westbrook tipped it, and it got tipped back out to Lou Dort. We put up a three. Harden blocked it. And then Dort uh, grabbed the ball with, like, out of bounds with, like, two seconds left. And that kind of did it for OKC, but – they, yeah, I was really surprised at the fight they put up. I mean, when you look at those two rosters on paper, Houston was, what, like, it, was it last year they went to seven games with Oak, or Golden State? Yeah. Went to seven games with Golden State in the conference finals, and they really, I mean, they uh, swapped Westbrook for Chris Paul, so you would think they'd, they've gotten even better, and... I don't think anybody expected this out of OKC at the beginning of the year. I sure as heck didn't. No, not one bit. Um, uh, One knock on OKC I had throughout this whole playoffs is I think Chris Paul should shot the ball more. But I feel like we've been saying that about Chris Paul for 10 years now. Um, Whether it was uh, – he shot a little bit more when he was on, I would I guess, the Hornets. Um, and now, you know, the Pelicans, the uh, former Hornets. And but Doc Rivers said that about him on the Clippers. Um, in Houston, he had James Harden putting up 40 shots a game, so he really didn't need to. But anytime Lou Dort's putting up 21 shots, Schroeder's putting up 17, and Chris Paul's only putting up 11 shots a game, uh, it's a recipe for a loss. I understand that he doesn't want to push it. He started a triple double. Um, I think he could have shot the ball a, a tad bit more, and OKC really would have been in a better position to win this game because Chris Paul's a good shooter. He always has been a good shooter. He just hasn't been a volume shooter. Yeah. If there's one, if there's one knock over Chris Paul's career, that's it. Um, it's a very small minor knock Has again, he still went for 19, 11 and 12 that game. Not much more you can ask, but in no circumstances should Lou Dort and no matter how hot he is, be taking 21 shots in a game seven against the Houston Rockets. But, yeah, I mean, he, he played well, but I, I agree with you there. You can't put your hopes on that. And look, just looking at Houston, James Harden played pretty poor. One for nine from three, 14 for 15 overall. Uh, Covington had 21. Westbrook had 20. They, show, they both shot right around the 50% mark. Eric Gordon had 21 right around the 50% mark. They look solid, but 
Um, James Harden and P.J. Tucker did not look good whatsoever. Honestly, at least James Harden looked like he played pretty good defense. He came up with that huge block against Dort there at the end of the game. Uh, but, no, not at all. Really impressed from OKC, not only the playoffs, but this season. I didn't expect literally anything from them this season. I figured Chris Paul would be traded by the deadline during the season, and then he ended up making some kind of miraculous playoff run. So hats off to OKC for even being there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and now looking over at where the U- Utah and Denver series ended after Mitchell and Murray were trading 50-point games left and right, offense completely dies. Um, Denver ends up taking an 80-78, to wins game six and seven. Uh, just and five and five. Yeah. When they win three straight, um, Gary Harris was back for Denver, which I think added a big defensive part. He looked horrendous on offense, but, <laughs> um, he played pretty good defense. Murray seven for 21. Jokic finally kind of stepped up more or less. It's dropping, th- dropping 30 points. So all 14 boards. I just, I didn't expect this low scoring of a game, but Hey, you know, it happens, I guess. Yeah, I think they, uh, they've they had a heated series, all series, going back and forth. I think Game 7 was a back-to-back. They didn't get a day off in between. And they, I I did not expect Denver to come back 3-1. to one. I, I think going into this series, I had Denver winning. I would have picked Denver probably in 6. But going down 3-1, I, I mean, we said last pod, I know I did say that I think if Denver wins game six, they'll win game seven. But then I said, I also don't think they'll win game six because I think Utah doesn't want to go to seven. And hats off to Denver. I I think they're a better team than they showed in this series because even though they came back and from a 3-1 deficit and won, it was really the Jamal Murray show, a little bit of Jokic, and nobody else. And I I really think they're a better team than that. So if them as a team can come around, I they're not going to beat the Clippers. But if if they can uh, come around as a team and Jamal Murray can continue to play the way he is or even close to it, they're going to put up a fight with the Clippers. I think that series will be closer than the Rockets-Lakers. Yeah, uh, and Denver didn't look bad in that game seven, but Utah looked horrendous on offense. I mean, outside of Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell scored 22, nine for 22. Uh, I, that's not a terrible game for a guy who's been carrying the load like him. You got to expect him to be just absolutely shot in game seven, just like Murray. Joe Ingles, three for 10, Mike Conley, two for 13. This is the end for Mike Conley. Uh, it sucks. I really like Mike Conley, but there's no way this isn't the end for him. Um, because if Utah wants to get any better, they have to find someone else to do something on offense. Uh, yeah. Other than maybe Joe Ingles hitting a couple corner threes. Because he can get hot, but he's not going to help you that much um, down the stretch. Uh, I'm not sure where they go, but not at all is um, is the roster ready for playoff basketball when they don't have another offensive player. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah that's kind of what I was Getting at with uh, Denver, I mean, you've got Murray Murray and Mitchell are pretty similar. Uh, you've got the bigs in Jokic and uh, 
Gobert, and I, I think Jokic is a good amount better than Gobert all around. I mean, Gobert's obviously the much better defender, but he's a basically a liability on offense outside of the rim, and Jokic is a dynamic offensive threat. And I think you touched on it. The rest of the roster for the Jazz is just not not bad, but not what you need to win a playoff series in the Western Conference. Yeah. It's hard when you when you don't have Donovan Mitchell dropping 45 and you can't win a playoff game. It's tough. Yep, yep I'm completely with you. And uh, Denver did not get off to the hottest start game one. Clippers win the first game, 120-97. to 97. Um, uh, Again, similar to what you're touching at, if if Murray and Jokic aren't going for at least 30 points close to a piece, uh, Denver's not going to have much offense. And you're going to have – they're going to have a really tough time stopping Kawhi. Like, who, who do you put on that team? Or who do you put that, that has to match up with Kawhi? Um, Paul Millsap's not making it up. Maybe you put Jeremy Grant on him. But then you put Jeremy Grant on him, you have to deal with Paul George. They're going to fight. Everyone knows Denver's going to fight, but Kawhi looked unbelievable. 12 for 16 in game one. Um, I, I see this series going in five games to Denver if I had to put money on it. Or five games to the Clippers, not Denver. Um, but, yeah, game one looked a little rough for Denver. Yeah. Um, I will say, I mean, uh, they basically got – one day of rest after playing. Uh, oh, no, maybe they didn't. No. I mean, they played every other day. I feel like uh, Denver Denver got the whole bench involved in that game one. Like, maybe that'll help them out a little bit, just having some fresh legs. But, yeah. I, I do think they'll put up more of a fight than Houston, but it still wouldn't surprise me if the Clippers – close games, I think, though, they won't all – be a 23 point blowout but I think that I think the games will be closer than the Lakers in Houston yeah yeah absolutely um look previewing that Lakers in Houston game uh it's gonna be another tough one like you're gonna put PJ Tucker on Anthony Davis I don't like that matchup Davis might average 40 and 20 like, period. Like, you're going to put Westbrook on. Well, you, you're going to put uh, – who do you even put on LeBron either? Like, you can try to put Westbrook and Harden, but they're not going to get the job done. I feel like P.J. Tucker would be the best option for LeBron, but then who do you put on AD on that roster? I don't know. See, this was Houston's downfall from the very beginning, is they could not play up to an Anthony Davis-LeBron duo, and everyone knew that from the, the start of this roster, and I don't think they're going to do all that well against the Lakers. No, I don't. I don't like the matchups. Like, I don't even like PJ Tucker on LeBron. But even if you do that, how do you? Who do you put on AD? You don't have yep. anybody. I mean, what, are you gonna play Tyson Chandler? Yeah, exactly. I guess I would. I would feel probably their best uh, PJ Tucker on AD, and you got to double him in the paint and uh, Covington on LeBron. I mean, honestly, the matchup's never going to be good unless you have Gobert or Kawhi out there. But it, I feel like it could be better from Houston's perspective. That that small ball strategy is tough because you can either 
go all in and they have the shooters and they've got guys like Covington that can play good defense on the wing and knock down the three ball and he fits their system really well. But they worry me offensively. I think they match up better with the Clippers than they do with the Lakers. Yeah. And I I don't see how they're going to stop both LeBron and AD. Yep. Yep, exactly. And the, the Lakers are fairly deep now. I mean, they Yeah, it it's a tough matchup from Houston's perspective. I just don't see it happening. I wouldn't be surprised if they get swept. Yep. Absolutely. Um and looking at this Heat Bucks series, how on earth are the Heat doing this? That's two straight games taken from the Bucks. Heat are up 2-0. Game Game one, Butler drops 40 on 13 to 20 shooting. Uh, game two, it, Butler hits those two free throws with time already expired on a pretty close foul call, in my opinion. Um, refs, refs have been a little ticky-tacky during this series, which obviously falls in the way of Butler because Butler is the best player in the world at getting to the line. Um I'm just really not sure if the Heat can sustain this, but at the same time, they have for two straight games, and they've put themselves in a really good position to steal this series from Milwaukee. Yeah, I think I said uh, last pod I would not be surprised if the Heat win game one just because of the rest that they've had, and they came out and did it, and I was really surprised that they won game two. They've just... uh, It... It's tough because, I mean, the games have been – game two was super close, came down to the wire. Game one was an 11-point game. But looking at the box score, it's not all that different. I mean, the Bucks shot the three ball better. Heat got them at the line a little bit, and the Bucks had a better field goal percentage. And then you look at game two, it was fairly similar as well. And I, I think it just comes down to – both teams are shooting pretty well. Just comes down to I think the Heat are making more winning basketball plays than the Bucks are right now. They I mean they looked a little discombobulated in game one against the Magic in the first round. They didn't look great that series. I think just by sheer talent, the Magic had four or five guys out. Aaron Gordon wasn't playing. I don't think Mo Bamba was playing. They had Jonathan Isaac got hurt mid series. Like the Magic weren't even at full strength and they didn't look great against them. I think they just got by by sheer talent. And you're starting to see that now with a more disciplined team like the Heat, where you've got a veteran leader like Jimmy Butler who's got playoff experience. You've got a guy like Goran Dragic. And then you've got a bunch of young guys that really know how to play. Kendrick Nunn, uh, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo is one of the most underrated players in the league right now, in my opinion. He's starting to get his love, but he still does a ton for them defensively. And he's fairly good offensively can handle the ball too a little bit and your Giannis is going to have to figure it out because it's on him he's got to be the one to push them out of whatever funk there and then start playing winning basketball basketball yeah I mean I'm not ready to depend anything on Giannis yet but it's it's been a little weird I think you do have a point there about playing winning basketball making plays when plays need to be made if there's one thing that Butler has done throughout his entire career that he had, he's just shout at, he's he makes plays when plays need to be made. He he could play like crap all game, but come down the last two minutes of basketball game, Jimmy Butler's going to make a couple shots. Jimmy Butler's going to come to the rim. Jimmy Butler's going to get a stop. He's going to do something like that 
even last game, your defensive player of the year, and you double Jimmy, try to hit a fadeaway little mid-range shot, um, and you foul him. You can't, you can't even give, you can't even leave that up to the refs. Um, was it a ticky tack foul? Yeah, a little bit, but you can't. Period. You can't leave that up to the refs. Yeah, that's like that's, that's like watching strike three in baseball. It's the equivalent. You cannot leave that up to the refs because the refs more likely are not going to make the best of calls. And Jimmy Butler goes there and he knocks down the free throws, and that's what Jimmy Butler does. I I really don't care about the per, per game numbers with Butler. Butler's a gamer. Butler will get the job done when he needs to. And we were just talking last pod about if there's one thing Giannis lacks is that kind of ability to make a play in crunch time. Giannis is unbelievable physically, unbelievably talented in regular season basketball. He's insane. We have yet to see it from him in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, game one, Giannis only takes 12 shots, uh, which... <sighs> I need Giannis to take a little more than that. I'm sorry. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Middleton isn't shouldn't be leading the team in shots. Game two, he takes 18, which is a lot better. Has 29 points. Uh, Chris Middleton shoots six for 15. That's why they lose game two. Essentially, it's gonna be a hard hard fought series that I didn't expect one bit. If I'm being honest, I, I probably had Milwaukee winning in six. Um, maybe the Heat stealing a game three and a game five. But definitely not uh, game one and two. I can tell you that much. It's gonna be hey. a tough road. It's gonna be a tough road for Milwaukee. I feel like it's gotta go seven now. You really don't think the Heat are winning one of the next four? No, oh, I hear you. It's gotta go seven. To. And then if you're Milwaukee, how does that? I think I predicted on the first pod that I didn't have Milwaukee in the finals. I had Boston, and this might play right into that. If you have Boston uh, wrapping it up in five games against Toronto, they almost went up 3-1 yesterday. I think uh, OG Ananobi hit a buzzer beater with half a second left and got game three for the Raptors. That's really going to help them out. But, yeah, I mean, if you're Boston, you wrap that series up in five games and Milwaukee's got to fight to get to seven. Seven games coming back down 2-0 is a lot different than seven games when you're up 2-0. Because you're scratching and clawing every game to get back. There's no taking your foot off the gas. And I really wonder, even if Milwaukee figure that, figures it out, is that going to is that gonna hinder them if they advance? And uh, it, I hate to rag on Giannis because he, I mean, he's a generational talent. He's a freak of nature. He's a hell of a lot of fun to watch playing basketball. But I've got to wonder when his – lack of a true jump shot really starts to hurt them. And especially in crunch time, I think if you're the heat, you're not playing him on a jumper. You know, he's going to the rack. Yeah. Even a guy like Butler. Yeah. He probably wants to go to the rack, but you saw that shot. He took at the end of game two. step back jumper from the corner. Giannis isn't going to do that. He's just not. And Giannis, you almost have to relegate it to your teammates in crunch time because they're not letting you take it to the rim. They will double and triple team and help defense in the paint before they let you get an easy layup. And it, it it's just the type of player. Ben Simmons, too, great player. But I've got to wonder in a day and age where every star in the NBA is a dynamic offensive weapon 
it, you don't have to be the best shooter, but you've got to be. A, you've got to make the defense respect your ability to pull it from outside. And like even Jimmy Butler is a great example. Incredible defender. He's come along offensively. I don't think anybody would call him a marksman, but he does make the defense respect his ability to hit the three ball. They they can't leave him wide open. And I, I mean, I yeah, I just gotta wonder. Is that something where is Giannis ever going to be as good as he is? And he's a top three player in the NBA. Is he ever going to be the best player on a championship winning team? Because, I, I mean, he re- he's a guy that really needs that sidekick, I think. Yeah, and Chris Middleton's not that guy. I'm sorry. He needs someone. He needs a playmaker as his sidekick. I like Chris Middleton. I think he's a good player, but I think he hit the head right on the nose. Uh, you have to have a playmaker next to Giannis who can maybe distribute the ball a little more. You know, maybe not like a guy as good as Chris Paul, but a guy that fills that role where he's not going to take a ton of shots, but he can hit the three ball. He's going to pass it extremely well. And someone you can trust in late time game to bring the ball up who's going to challenge a three point shot and spread the defense. Because you're right, when Giannis brings the ball up, you're going to challenge him to make a shot from 25 feet out. You're not going to worry about anything near the three-point line. You start worrying about Giannis when he's on the free-throw line. And even then, he's not the best of shooters. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think, you, I think you're pretty spot on with that. Uh, and just looking at this last series that's going on, Toronto-Boston. Uh, Boston up 2-1. Toronto with some late-game heroics. Uh OG had a pretty nice late shot game to win in that. Um, but overall, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kimba Walker, and Marcus Smart are all playing extremely well right now. Um, Boston has really hit their stride with all of them looks like, looking like they're scoring 20 points a game at a pretty efficient clip, which is exactly what makes Boston really, really scary. Yeah. As you know, one of them can go for 40 at some point with the rest of them scoring 20, and even when one of them is not going for that big game, they're contributing 80 points a game no matter what um, at the minimum. And then you have guys like Thice, uh, Williams, Cantor, Williams, Wanamaker off the bench who can add another 10 apiece. Uh, Boston is really scary. I mean, shout out to Toronto for taking that game. Kyle Lowry looked unbelievably good. Fred Van Fleet hitting some good shots from three, but, man, Boston looks scary right now. Yeah, they. I don't think anybody wants to run across Boston right now. Um, they're they're so deep. They, I mean, they've got guys off the bench: Grant Williams, Ajale, Cantor, who would start on seventy-five percent of the teams in the NBA. Is playing. I I think he's coming back from injury, but um, Williams, Wanamaker, they're they're deep. And the thing, yeah, their starting five is about as deep as it gets as far as quality players. They don't have the star power up front like the Lakers and the Clippers do, but their 4-5 in the lineup is better than the Clippers and the Lakers 4-5. And, yeah, you hit the nail on the head when you've got any of Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kemba Walker that can go for 20-25 easy with two or three other of them going for 2025 that that's tough to match they've got four legitimate with the way smart's playing right now 
He's he's a little streaky for me, but with the way he's playing right now, they've got four legitimate scoring threats on offense right now. Yeah, um, and on top of that, I think this is this is an unbelievable battle of Nick Nurse versus Brad Stevens. I would say two of the top three coaches in the NBA right now. Um, yeah, two of the top three or four. They're yeah. Pop and Kerr up in there, but other than that, they're they're kind of on their own level. Yeah, at least two of the the top youngest guys. Oh, top yeah. two youngest guys at least. The, the guys we're probably sure. going to be talking about for ages now. Um, yeah, I, I think I it's hard to pick against the Celtics uh, as the series goes the rest of the way. Um, Siakam really hasn't looked the best in this series right now, which uh, we kind of preview talking about that. If Siakam's really not having that great of a game scoring, they're going to have to rely on guys like Lowry and Faye and Fleet who aren't as um, consistent, more or less. Uh, the Toronto's bench is a lot weaker. Norman Powell, Serge Ibaka, but outside of that, you have guys like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson who aren't really scorers. But, man, Boston is so good. So good. And I I think Boston, if Boston beats the Raptors, Boston's in the finals. Like, that, that's how I see it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, Boston's playing off the charts right now. They hit their stride at the right time. And, yeah, from Toronto, Toronto, we've talked about this before, but Toronto just, they're all very good, but not great. I, I mean, I would put Tatum Brown, no disrespect to Pascal Siakam, but I would put Tatum Brown and Kemba ahead of him, and I think he's the best player on the Raptors. So you've got, what, three guys for Boston that I would probably put ahead of the Raptors' best player, and that's tough because I just, I, I mean, I know Ananobi hit the game winner Lowry. Ugh, you, you can edit this out. Uh, Lowry was great down the stretch, and but it it's tough. I feel like in Boston you've got at least three guys you can go to to get a bucket, and I just don't see that in Toronto as much. Yeah, uh, that exactly, exactly. It's 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 hard to pinpoint anyone outside of Lowry that I'd say, go make a play, go get me a last second bucket. And I love how these, these kind of narratives don't get talked about during the regular season at all. And then we get to play all basketball and it's the same teams losing and it's the same teams winnings. The the teams that win have the guys that you can put the ball in their hand and say, go get me a bucket, go get to the line, go get, make a play. That's why Jimmy Butler consistently takes underwhelming, I would say rosters into playoff games and they make things happen. That's why Kawhi makes things happen. Um, that's why we see teams like the Sixers. Uh, Sixers without Jimmy Butler bounce out early. Uh, the Raptors last year made that unbelievable run because of Kawhi. Um, no no disrespect to Lowry or Pascal Siakam or Fred Van Fleet. That was on Kawhi. If Kawhi doesn't hit that late-game mid-range unbelievable jumper last year, we're not talking about the Raptors as NBA champions. Um, but Kawhi makes that play. And I'm waiting for Giannis to turn into that person because I think he can be that guy. But I'm waiting on it. Um, the Lakers are going to be unbelievable because they have LeBron and AD, two guys you can trust down the stretch. And frankly, Tatum and Kimball Walker have turned into two guys that I have no issues with handing the ball and saying, go get me two, go get me three, go get to the line. Not, no not at all. And I'm, I'm for one, really happy that uh, Kemba is – made it out of Charlotte, kind of escaped the pit hole that is Charlotte and found himself on a true uh, finals contender. Now you can argue whether they 
really have a decent shot to beat the Clippers or the Lakers, but they've got a great shot to make it to the finals. And really glad to see Kemba playing for a contender because he's 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 proven that he's not a garbage time volume guy. He's really a borderline elite point guard. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I love Kimba Walker. I liked him, uh, I guess, struggling all those years with the Bobcats and the Hornets. Um, I liked him in UConn. I'm happy he's on a team where he can excel. And the Celtics are doing this all without Gordon Hayward, too. Yeah, that's, their that's max not contract guy. Without their max contract guy. If he was on this roster, that's probably – or if I guess if he never got hurt and was kind of you know locked in – he would be averaging 20 along with the rest of these guys. Our starting lineup could be averaging 100 points a game. Yeah, you know what, what uh, is crazy about Boston is that we just went through talking about them for five, ten minutes, and I completely forgot Gordon Hayward was even on the roster because they've been that good without him. They haven't even missed a beat. Not missed a single beat uh, at all, which is unbelievable. Uh, I, I wish we could have seen Hayward in this position because uh, – a small ball lineup of Tatum, Hayward, Walker, Smart, and Brown would have been quite exciting to watch. Um, I, I would argue that it would be better than Houston's small ball lineup, at least more well-rounded. Like, that's 100 points a game from your starting lineup, with no doubt in my mind. Absolutely no doubt in my mind. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's 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 going to about wrap us up here for the NBA. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I mean, I think we kind of covered it, and uh, I've got Boston coming out of the East. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go to the Lakers in a heated Game 7 battle against the Clippers in the West. That would be cool to see a Lakers-Boston uh, finals again, though. Yeah, it would be. It'd be quite the throwback to good old times, uh, Bird Johnson. We haven't seen those two teams really since early 2010s, late 2000s, both be really competitive in a spot where both of them are going to be finals favorites. Yeah. It's been since basically Kobe and the Paul Pierce age, Paul Pierce, Garnett, Rondo. Um, And what's funny is those teams are built very similarly. Kobe and LeBron, you have your superstar, you have your great big man and Gasol and AD. You know, on the Boston side, you have a bunch of dudes who are really good, but probably not the best individually. Um, in Pierce, Garnett, and Rondo, and Ray Allen. And then you have Tatum, Brown, Kimba, and... Smart slash Hayward. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're, they're built very similar. So, yeah, all things come full circle. I want to remind everyone, this podcast is brought to you by JRG Productions, the top podcast producers in the state of virginia trying to get worldwide right now currently make sure you go check out our sister podcast ferrets gone that's strictly on baseball Uh, we hope to have more nfl stuff for you coming up soon as we get closer to the season as well as some more worldly topics Um, maybe maybe a few different reddit segments twitter segments maybe some youtube videos you know we're, we're just now working into this new podcast and we're excited to bring you more content but i think that's going to wrap us up here today You guys have a good one. We'll see you next time.